Hi, and welcome to our painting. This is Saratova Beth. Um, uh, I might hear people if they make comments here. Everybody, we're going to mute, please. And here is the question for the week. It's Parshas Vayeshev. The question we want to ask ourselves personally is, when we're living our lives, which side do we want to win? You know, the good side, the side of goodness, or the side of the opposite of goodness? If there is something that's, if there's a, a force that's going to take us over, basically conquer our life and really um, take over our life, would we like it to be the good side or the not good side? Pretty obvious question, right? That, that's, that's one thing. And the other thing, we'll see what it has to do with Parshas Vayeshev. If anybody ever has played Monopoly, we know that there's the concept of buying up all the real estate. This is what I'm referring to, the idea of when something's going to take us over. There's going to be an energy that will essentially buy up all of our real estate. In Monopoly, however it goes, you buy up all of the buildings in that whole city. I think it was Atlantic City. You, you buy for yourself. You purchase all the real estate. Now imagine this, that Geula is about Hashem has basically will have bought up all the real estate in the entire world and take, taken it for himself, so to speak. It sounds very silly, but it sounds strange, but that's what it is. The whole world becomes palpable as Hashem's world. He has essentially conquered the world. Now, the irony is it's Hashem. So he made the world and he makes the world at every second. So the fact that he has to then conquer, it's his world. We said last week, that there was a certain individual that made a company, you know, Lahabdul, he made, he established, he, he created Apple, Apple computers. And how, how could they then fire him from his own company? So that's the question. Why would Hashem have to conquer the world that he has created and is creating at every moment? But he's made that decision that he wants us to go out and conquer the world for him so that it becomes his world, which to begin with is, but he earns it in a way that the entire world that could say, no, we don't want this world to belong to Hashem. That world could, uh, that world has to be conquered by Hashem. It's a, it's, a, it's a deeper, it's a deeper acquisition of the world. Okay, so if all of that is the case, and we're relating to it personally as, so how do I, what, what, what force do I want um, conquering my life. So, um, so this is a little bit, this is a sikha, which is about the French Revolution, Napoleon, who was looking to conquer the world. And Lahavdil, he had an opponent. Really, he was the opponent. The Altarebbe, was looking to conquer the world for Hashem. Was looking to conquer the world so that the entire world should be, with the world's consent, a place that belongs fully to Hashem. Not in a way that Hashem superimposes his power and says, I created the world. It's my world. I run the show. You all have to do what I say. That is not the world of Geula. And that is not the world that the Altar Rebbe was seeking to create. The Altar Rebbe 
in complete synchrony with Hashem, was seeking to create a Geula world in which we all want Hashem to run the show. Everybody wants Hashem to run the show. We want Mashiach now. This was the raison d'etre of the Alter Rebbe. And he came at a really crucial moment in history. We're talking about, uh, he was in Stalik in 1812. The Alter Rebbe was born in 1745. Everything was shifting. The Industrial Revolution, the, um, the, the, you know, the opening of, uh, well, he brought down the opening of, of the channel, the wellsprings of, of Hasidus and the deepest aspects of Paris started raining down into the world. Once they rain down, as we were talking about last week, when you have something pouring down, you need something to catch them, to catch it. If you have a, a hot water dispenser, how do you call it? Kunku, a, a, a samovar. What's the English word? You know, you have a, a thing that dispenses hot water. It always has a little... Um, well, spigot, is that the word? So that you can put your cup under it and get hot water enough for your cup and hot water in a way that it will go directly into your cup. Imagine if everything, you have your hot water urn and it's, it works perfectly, but I don't know, somebody dropped it and broke the little handle where the, that you use to dispense the water. So it was glued up, so the water no longer comes from there. Will it be useful for you every time you want a cup of hot water for your coffee to take this urn, tip it, and pour some hot water into your cup? No. Why not? It's way too much hot, even dangerously hot water, for the cup. And if somebody is holding the cup, when the other person says, here, just hold out your cup, I don't even have to picture it. I don't even have to, that's right. It's, it, people are starting to get the chills when you think about it. Just hold out your cup and I'll tip this urn and I'll pour some hot water. Oh my. We, nobody that you know that you like should be the person holding the cup because it's way too big a flow of hot water and that hot water is strong and it can do a lot of good stuff and a lot of not good stuff for it to just be siphoned into that cup. So you need to have something much narrower. This is the concept of R and Kaylee, light and vessel. And we said last week, we're in the weeks of Yaakov and Esau. Esau is from the world of Taihu. Lots of huge, intense light, like the hot water. And that's Esau. And Yaakov is from the world of Tikkun. Many vessels. Not such, not such wild light, but many, many vessels. And Esau, in his world where there's wild light, there just aren't a lot of vessels. So which one's better? It's not great to be that wild light without vessels, and it's not great to have lots of vessels and not enough to pour in. 
And therefore, in 1991, the Rebbe comes along and says, <clears throat> I'm giving over the job to you to bring Mashiach and do it in a way of the lights of Tayu, the vessels of Tikkun. Put the two together. Tailored. Tailored. Tailored light. Powerful light. Don't compromise the light. Tailored. And put it into a vessel. Okay. So this is a lot of introduction. So we're saying this is what the Alter Rebbe is all about. The Alter Rebbe is brought into the world at a moment when the spiritual revolution really begins in a very powerful way. And the industrial revolution begins. Everything will come out of the Dark Ages, will come out of the Middle Ages, and everything starts to shift and move forward very quickly, exponentially. Technologically, etc. Okay, relative to, to now, it was nothing. But things start to just shift very, very, very much. And Hashem sends the Alter Rebbe at that moment to start bringing down these powerful lights of Pneumatotera from above. And the Alter Rebbe's job, no doubt, is at the same time to start to create vessels in the world to teach people Hasidus, to teach people Hasidus in a way that they have the vessels to take this in. This is not Kabbalah. Kabbalah was, Kabbalah is, or certainly was then, for people who were 40 years old, married, settled, etc. Because Kabbalah is the study of the spiritual world. It's, excuse me for the vernacular, heavy-duty stuff. When you're studying the higher world, the spiritual world, that's very intense stuff. That's like that hot water in the urn, in the, in the hot water urn. It's very heavy, heavy stuff. It's amazing. But you know, you need to have a cup, a cup under there to catch it. You can't just, you know, just turn it and tip it and pour it. So you needed to have the vessel of being married and settled and 40 years old and all of that stuff. Chassidus is not the study of the spiritual world. Chassidus is the study of the essence of everything. The essence of the spiritual world, the essence of the physical world, the essence of you name it. Uh, I'm looking right now at a cup with a straw. Chassidus will tell you what the essence of a straw is. What is the essence of a cup? What is the essence of a window? What is the essence of the angels? What is the, <coughs> the essence of, <coughs> excuse me, Atik, Arich, the, the Atilis, the highest world? And what is the essence of a refrigerator? As I'm looking out the window, somebody actually has a small apartment-sized refrigerator sitting on their roof of their garage. Well, isn't that strange, right? What is that all about? I mean, I could call the people and say, why do you have a apartment refrigerator on your roof? I mean, if you don't need it, you know, I know somebody who could take it. But, that, you know, what do you do with it? What do you do when, you know, do you want me to call somebody? What do you do with this refrigerator? I could call them and say, you know, if you want to get rid of it, would you like me to make a few calls and ask anybody if they need one? That's what to do with it. But what is it really? What is it all about? What is a refrigerator? What is a roof? What, what's strange about a refrigerator on a roof? Etc., etc. What is the essence of the whole thing? That's Hasidus. Hasidus is not the study of the spiritual world. It's the study of the essence of all things. What is it really? So, 
in all of this, as the Alter Rebbe is sent into the world to bring this into the world and create this revolution, a menaged is sent together, an adversary. And his name is Napoleon. And he is the spiritual counterpart, the spiritual, I don't like to use the word klipa, of, of what the Alter Rebbe is bringing in. Now remember, the interesting thing is, when the Alter Rebbe comes, He's bringing, let's work backwards. What was the main statement of the French Revolution and of Napoleon? I don't have a good French accent. Equalité, fraternité, liberté. Equality, fraternity, and liberty. Sounds good, right? But it wasn't good because it was coming from the force of unholiness. So it meant equality in the negative way. Fraternity in the negative way. We don't have to go into the details. Fraternizing with the wrong people, we know what that's about. Equality, when there shouldn't be equality, like, excuse me, I'm, you know, right? There are times when they shouldn't be telling you what to do, You're, right? And, and, equality, and liberty, freedom from what? You know, uh, in the 60s, people went for equality, fraternity, and liberty, wasn't the most moral uh, way of bringing it out in the world. It was coming from the other side with maybe little sparks of something holy. holy. Today, the gender crisis where Tuesday they're female, Wednesday they're male, Thursday they're female, and Medicaid has to pay for it, etc. That's the unholy version of Equality, liberty, for you know, equality, liberty, fraternity. I can do whatever I want. And fraternity, I can. I don't even want to say. So Napoleon brought all that stuff in. He is the main spiritual force that brought that unholy stuff in. Now, okay, let's go back. How does? How is he? How is that an adversary? Uh, an opponent to the Alter Rebbe? who's coming in in the name of Hashem, in the name of God Almighty, to bring the same thing. Liberty, equality, fraternity. But the Holy One, where do you see liberty? How does Hasidus bring liberty? Um, how does it say, um, who is free? <clears throat> who is free? Who has liberty? Misha Isaac the Tyra. Who is free? The only person who can be free is somebody who's deeply involved in Tyra. That's the only place where there's freedom. That's the only place where there's true freedom. And the Alter Rebbe comes along to give us access to the freedom within Tyra in a way that was never done for the common people ever before. Only Tzadikim had access to that level of freedom that's embedded in Tyra. Equality, where do you see that? The Chiddush of Chassidus, of Chabad Chassidus, is that on the level of Neshama, everybody is a Chelek Elakami Ma'amamash. Everybody is a part of Hashem. Okay, there is Tzaddik, but the old way, which is there's the Tzaddik, and there's the scholar, and there's the simple person, and, 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 and there are completely different levels. That's true. But then there's another part, there's another aspect in which we're all the same. We are all Jews. Jew, 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 Jew. 
Everybody's the same. The Alter Rebbe came in to emphasize that, the sameness of every Jew versus the, great, the, the, class, the differences. There are differences. But the Chiddush of the Alter Rebbe is to emphasize the sameness. And therefore, it opened the way for, in our generation, for the Rebbe to come along and say, doesn't matter who this Jew is, he deserves your attention. She deserves your attention. But what if he's sitting in jail for having done a nasty crime? Such a person, nobody should visit. And the Rebbe would send Shluchim to go and visit him. But he did bad things. He did do bad things. He did hor- horrific things. But on the level of Jew, 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 there's no distinction. That's one, that equality. So the liberty, the freedom that's embedded within Tyra, only a tzaddik could really get to it, and the Alter Rebbe gives us access to it through the Tanya, etc., through Chassidus. Equality, we said, liberty for, and fraternity. What Sahiyom Yom says, until Chassidus, the, the tzaddik was alone. I think the tzaddik was alone and the people were alone. There was a, an essential loneliness. Only the tzaddik had this deep brotherly, this deep union with Hashem that took away his essential, existential loneliness. Everybody else was always struggling to feel connected. And the idea of the Hasidish of Abrahim. That's it. There's no class system. Right? We sit in 770, Matzah Shabbos, we have a Malava Whoever walks past, we say, come and sit down. You're out of Fabrengen, come and join us. Who are you? I don't know. We'll get to know you now. The idea that you can go out on the street and say, oh, hi, are you Jewish? Here, well, here are some Shabbos candles. And if, you can't do that. I've done that before. I've been in situations where when I finished up, oh, I didn't have any mo- more brochures, which gave me permission to jump into a person's life and say, oh, are you Jewish? This is for you. And we had a beautiful connection. As opposed to when I was finished with my brochures, I felt like, you can't just approach strangers on the street. You don't know them. All of a sudden, I was out of the bubble of fraternity. Plus, plus, plus. I'm just giving the bare bones of all this. Okay. So in all of this, we see the Alter Rebbe is coming to bring this liberty, equality, fraternity into the world. So Hashem sends the opponent to balance it out, and he comes to do it, libertea, calite, fraternite, in um, the most unholy way. Okay, so now, we're going to jump into the Sikha. The Sikha says that we read recently about, in recent times, that according to all the signs, this, this generation is the last of Gullus and the first of, of Geula, um, and we finished everything in our Avaida, and um, we're standing ready for the Geula. So other people ask, the Geula depends on this, that the entire world should be ready. Not just one person, not just several people, not just specific people, not just one place in the world, but the entire world. Because the Geula is connected with Kibbutz Nitzchei Yisrael. The Geula is connected with collecting all Yidin from all four corners of the world. And the Geula, so two things, what is the Geula? Collecting all Yidin from all, all Jews from all corners of the world. Number one. Number two, bringing them all together. 
Kibbutz Goliath, bringing everybody together from Goliath to Geula and everybody together, the fraternity part. See that? Bringing everybody together, fraternity. Equality. And there's a certain equality that has to be for everybody to be able to merge together. And the beer and the Geula also depends on the beer of the Umat Ailam in all the lands. The purification of the nation, of the non-Jews in all the world. So I'm trying to think quality, fraternity, liberty. And somehow this brings a freedom that even releases the non-Jewish people from their enslavement to unholy junk, to put it mildly. When we come and we access the spark that's embedded there and we, we release that, for, help them release that, they become free as well. They finally can start to breathe and live and, and move forward. And you see that from that time on, they start to have a, you see in this generation, the non-Jewish people start to have a craving for something more, especially in the past 10 years, than just enslavement to the junk. They want something higher. So here's the question. The question that's asked is, where do we see a change in the world? That the world now is ready for the Geula, um, like as it was in other generations. So in order to understand that, we first have to understand the Hishtalshlis, the journey of Yidin from one place to the other throughout all of history. Because even though the um, spreading out of Yidin in many different countries is seen, as it was said by Haman, Russia, but the Yidin are spread out in the entire world. That seems to be a negative thing. Shouldn't we all be in Eretz Yisrael? And, and, and so it seems like a very great Yerida, and yet it says, Chazal say, Hashem did tzedakah, but he spread us out among all the nations. And we understand, why were we spread out? For the mile that comes through the Avayda of Yidna in every single place. That we sit in a way of hisyashvas. We settle ourselves in to a strange land, not Eritrea, France, England, Spain, Australia, New Zealand. We settle ourselves down. We don't just go there to visit. We go there to live. We become part of the place. And the Australians speak differently from, than the French. And the Canadians are very different from the Americans. Right? We are <coughs> more classy. Right? The Canadians are different from the Americans. You know, when you start to identify, Right? And it becomes our identity. You go there and you settle in and it, and it merges with your identity. That's called its Yashu. You're not just just journeying there. You, you're not just taking a trip and then going back home. You start to feel like, my home is Montreal, Quebec. Right? So you settle into that place in a strange land and we put ourselves into, we're mislavished, in the way that halacha allows the minhagim of the place, the customs of the place, and the customs of that country. We speak the language. 
we do various things. We maybe follow their food customs in ways that Shulchan Aruch allows. In France, people eat croissant for breakfast. Now, again, everything has it's become a global village, but 40 years ago, 50 years ago, if you traveled around the world, it was very interesting to see how over there they eat this and over here they eat that. Now everybody eats everything everywhere. Where was I? In Bingo, in Borough Park. And they had in the freezer, malawach, malawach. And, you know, in the freezer section. And, you know, it's a very colloquial kind of, you know, it's like an Arab name of a food, you know, that kind of pancake. We were, oh, we were skating on the, on the ice in Ottawa, the Rideau Canal. And they have this thing, you can stop at a little kiosk and people are buying, I forget what they call, beaver tails. Beaver tails. So and people are stopping and they're paying a lot of money and as they're skating, it's freezing outside and they're buying these hot beaver tails and they put inside of them maple syrup or different kinds of things or sweet things and salty things, whatever you want, you know, and they're buying these beaver tails. And I was watching and I was thinking, what are these beaver tails? Because beaver tails is like very Canadian, Ottawa expression, beaver tails. So I'm looking at them and I was with my kids and I said, it's malawach. It's malawach. It's right. It's sort of like Middle Eastern malawach adapted to a Canadian culture. But so everybody has their way of, we eat their food. When you're in the Middle East, you eat malawach. Now, Now it's everywhere. But we go into that place and we eat things that they, we eat, we have the same style of eating. Here, people have coffee and whatever for breakfast. Over there, you know, in the Middle East, everybody has salad. Everybody, so it's a, it's a different thing. So why do we do this? And every single place, according to its way, according to the tunas makam, the qualities of the place, and the qualities of the people in, in the place. So what is it all about? Chazal say, Azlas Lukras Halach Benimusi, which means the Eker Gadol, the whole different Masa Matan Hochin, Acher Lashem Bnei Adab Acher Minhaz. A little bit, it means, in, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. If Halacha says yes. The Iker Gadol in Zvarmiel, it's the Minhag of the place. The Minhagim of the place of the non-Jews. They are the majority in any given place. There are more non-Jewish people in France than Jewish people. And even the same thing maybe may in the yeah in the United States. The non-Jews are the numeric majority. So why do we take on their customs? Today I'm getting my um, waffle machine. Eating waffles Sunday morning is very American, so I'm going to be American today. Why do we do it? What is the holy reason why Hashem sends us into those places to speak like them, to eat like them, to all those other things beyond their same schedule? In, in North America, you, go, you work 9 to 5. In the Middle East, you work whatever it is, 9 to 12. Then you have a break for two hours, and then you go back to work. Nobody does that here. Why are we sent as Yidden to these different places by Hashem to live the way they do? 
And Lahavo, I'm going to say, we can really understand this by looking at how bacteria work. And we're not bacteria, God forbid, God forbid. But in saying bacteria, they are like little spaceships. And they drop down into the nasal passages and they see that there's a whole system, a DNA system that's reproducing all the time and determining what, will, what the cells will become. And the DNA is creating more uh, nasal tissue. And the bacteria come in and, uh, sorry, not bacteria, virus, virus. They drop down, they attach themselves, and they say, we're taking over now. We are taking over. We're taking over the DNA of this place, and instead of the DNA making more nasal passage tissue, it's going to make more of us, more virus. This is the way it goes. So, lahavda, lahavda, we are not virus, we are not bacteria, God forbid, God forbid. But we're saying the idea is to go into those places. Hashem sends us to every country in the world to live and to, be, to feel part of the country. Why? And to use their minhagim, their customs. Why? Because we then buy them up for Hashem. We buy, buy up the real estate. We go in, we eat croissant in France, and we buy up croissant for Hashem. Now he owns them. Used to be that Napoleon owns croissant. In other words, who's going to buy the stock that owns all the croissants? Is it going to be Napoleon? Or La Havre, is it going to be the Altareba? Is it going to be Napoleon that owns all the stocks for croissant? Or is it going to be Hashem? And every other, every minhag, every speech, every everything that exists, whom will it belong to? Who's going to buy up the stock? Who's going to, who's going to own it? The, the negative forces or Hashem? So we are sent as Hashem's agents, Hashem Shluchim, to do that, to embed ourselves in those customs so that we buy it up for Hashem. And then, and for Tyra, we use the minhagim of, to serve Hashem, the minhagim of the place, because and that adds to Tyra Nusus. In the words of Chassidus, in the words of Chassidus, Lo higla Kodesh Baruch Hu Yisrael lebeinu umas ela kadei sheyisatsu aleim gerim Hashem did not send us out among the nations other than to make Gerim. What are Gerim? The Nitzutim of Kedusha, which find themselves in every place in the world. And this at Higla Kodesh Baruch Yisrael, the fact that Hashem sent us out into all those places, into various places, is in order to be Mavara and Mazachech, to purify and elevate and Mylazim the Nitzutim, which find themselves in that place. And therefore, Tzedakah Kodesh Baruch so it's a tzedakah that Hashem sent us out to all those places because we have a job to do. Buy up all the real estate for Hashem. Because through this comes the maila of our avayda in bir of the Nesutev Kedusha, which find themselves in those places and in the customs of those places, of every place. So now, we understand the maila in this, that Yidner spread in the whole world. 
and settle in the whole world. As was the brachot of Yaakov Avinu, of Hashem to Yaakov Avinu. Because Dafka through the Abayi of Yidin in all countries, in a way of hislapshus pnimis, when we go into those countries and we do our Avaita in a way of hislapshus pnimis, we settle into those places in a very deep pnimistic way. We settle there, we live in their countries, and we act according to their ways in a, whenever it's permitted according to Shulchan Aruch. What happens when we do that? We achieve through that, through settling there, the birr and the zichuch, the purification, from below to above, of every place in the world on its own level. And therefore, the whole world becomes a dir le'isbach bitachtanim. It becomes a place that belongs to Hashem down here. And the world, and every part of the world, every foreign language, every foreign custom, starts to agree that Hashem is the king of the world. Tachtanim means rabim. According to every single place, agrees in a different way. The, the French, you know, the France agrees in a French way, and England agrees in an English way, and Canada agrees in a Canadian way. Because the opposite would be when we're tourists, we just go to a place temporarily, or we live somewhere else, and we're mashpia from a, a distant place. What happens then? You either visit a place. How much can you influence it? Can you elevate everything to Tyra by going there temporarily? A little bit. Can you sit in New York and elevate everything from New York? A little bit. But you can't compare it to the elevation that happens when you go and live in that place. It's not the same. And not only that, and so by the way, the system in which this is done is called shlichus. It's called shlichus, beginning with the Alter Rebbe and then culminating with the seventh generation from the Alter Rebbe. The Rebbe sits in New York and sends shluchim to every corner of the world to live there. Essentially, when he's sending shluchim, he's not sending, he himself is living in all of those places. The shliach and the mishaleach are one unit. Wherever a shliach is, his mishaleach is there living with him. It's a tyra way of a person being in all places at all times and influencing in the time of the Alter Rebbe, this system wasn't yet in place because spiritually, it wasn't the time. In our generation, it is the time. Now, another piece of this. When we go and live in those places, it adds in Hatzlacha and the strength of Hatzlacha in our Avedah, success. 
We understand. Imagine, there are many, many different customs between one country and another. And as everybody knows from me, there are very different customs between Canada and the USA. And I am probably the best advertiser, publicizer of the difference between Canada and the USA, right? And that's a small difference. There are massive differences between England and France. One is very hot. One is very fiery. And the other one is very much more reserved. They're very different, and they're next door to each other practically. So um, the reason that there are these different minhagim, alpitaira, between one country and in the other, is because of the special eingeschaften of the Medina, the tchunas amakam, the qualities of the place, the qualities of the people of the place, etc. So the people, the place, the spiritual sparks, there are spiritual sparks in France that are different from the spiritual sparks in England. And therefore, it, it creates, those sparks will give birth to customs, how we eat, how we speak, how we drink, when we sleep, how we work. Different sparks, different, giving birth to different customs. So when we go in, and how do we get those sparks, go in and live, put yourself into those customs? Um, Those customs that fit that place, the qualities of that place, when we go in and do it, it gives us more success. Therefore, a Yid, a Jew, that finds himself in that place should be conducting himself according to those customs if Shulchan Aruch says yes. If no, then no. And we really are, are pulled between two extremes. It's interesting because in this sicha, we're seeing, there are many sichas in which the Rebbe says, we should not be affected by our surroundings and we should create an environment. This is actually probably one of the few sichas in which the Rebbe says, go in and embed yourself in the the customs of that place and and live the customs of that place which seem like a complete contradiction but both avidas both are obligations on a Jew first and foremost don't be affected by your environment create the environment but here it's being honed even more don't create the environment from outside but from inside Meaning, make, open a bakery that sells just the most amazing croissant in French, in France, but kosher ones. Don't, you know, everybody in France is eating croissant so, for breakfast and you're eating uh, waffles. No. Open a kosher croissant bakery. Take on their minhagam. There are sparks embedded in their customs. Go into them. Live in them. You create an environment not by, okay, they all eat croissant. No, no, no. We, we, we have salad or we have uh, whatever. You know, we have, I don't know, sandwiches for breakfast. Whatever it is. No. Go deeply into, only in this generation perhaps, and maybe that's why there's this, 
chiddush in the Avedah. Maybe only in this generation are Yidin finally able to, because of what's coming from above and what's coming from below, maybe only now have we reached a point in, when we came to this generation that we are able to go into the customs and conquer them for Hashem from within rather than from without. How do we know? Because in all other generations, we were told by Hashem, stay away from the non-Jews. Just stay away. And even that wasn't easy. We just wanted a place to settle, to be left alone to serve Hashem. We wanted to be in a little ghetto. Only in this generation. The Rebbe comes along and says, don't stay away. No, 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 no. Go out to them. Influence them. We've come to that point spiritually where now we're about to step into our Geula role, which is we being the leaders of the world, and we create the standard for the world. So we have all of history where we're doing what we're doing and we're hoping they'll just leave us alone and we're trying to stay away from them as much as possible. Up until the seventh generation where we're told, now go into the world and start to influence them and more and more and more as each day goes by. It's a radical shift because clearly we came to a point where now not only is it possible to influence the nations of the world, it becomes our geula obligation. So how are you going to transition from a few thousand years of just staying alone, staying by your, staying by ourselves, wanting to be left alone quietly, and being and knowing it was dangerous if we walked out on the street? They have a whole bunch of holidays where if we walked out on the street, we didn't. Nobody knew if they would come home alive. So how do you transition from that, which is a few thousand years, to Geula when we're going to be the leaders? How do you get from that to that? There has to be a transition. And that transition seems to come through shlichus. The formal shlichus and every Jew being a shliach to go into those customs and live that way. <clears throat> and there's a din, there's a halacha that we have to go according to the customs of the place. Uh, I just, I, I read it before, um, those Aramaic words. We have to transform them into Torah customs. We have to go in, use their minhagim, and transform them into Torah customs. We'll see at the end of the Sikha the transformation of France through the, the French national anthem. It's an exact example of that. So, but that is our job now. Our job is not to stay away. Our job is to go full force into the world with the confidence that knowing that we're not alone, we're with Hashem. He is with us, going right in, and we have to be smart. We have to learn all the marketing tools of, you know, how to approach the world in a way that they like it. Can't just barge in. And take over... Like I said about Lahav, the Lahav, the virus. The virus comes in and says, I'm taking over now. Now, the, the, our nasal passages do not like it. And they don't say, oh, great, we were so tired of, you know, regenerating ourselves. We feel bad. We feel sick when we get a cold. But Lahav, the Lahav, the Lahav, 
coming in and taking over the world from Hashem, only, quite honestly, only the Rebbe will know when the moment is right and when it's time. And when it's time, it's not a good idea to shrink back and say, I'd rather do it the old way. Because it's like anything else. You know, when you see with a, a, a little child, when it's time for him to start crawling, you need to let him start to crawl. Don't try to hold him back. When a baby needs to be born, the baby shouldn't be held back and held back in the birth canal. The baby should be allowed to come out into the world. It's not so such a good idea, let's say it mildly, to not to hold the baby back. And so, um, in this, so our job is where there's not a contradiction to halacha. Halacha itself obligates us to act according to the minhag of the Medina in things of matan matan. Of, of, um, of, of business, etc. And in this, the Avaid in every place, there are two ways that we do it. Mm, this is cut off, so we have to see. I see. One is the Pe'ula Pnimis in the Tachtan. Well, I'll have to look at it in another. Avaid uh, Pnimis uh, uh, in, in the Tachtan. We bring Kedusha down, I guess, into the world. And the, um, from above. We bring holiness from above. And the other way is we bring from below. The purification is such, such an extent, that the place itself becomes a place of terminus. In other words, we either shine light from above and transform from above, or we do it from below. The place itself is now longing for Hashem's light. Imagine a world that is longing for Hashem's light as opposed to a place in which Hashem superimposes his light on the world. Which one's higher? Which one's deeper? When we work with the world so that the world wants it itself, is longing for Hashem's light. When Hashem then gives his light, it's just grabbed up and everything's going to work. How do we do that? The place itself, the world itself, when we work with it to become a place of Tarimitzvah, we build Meisnitz of Tarimitzvah and Gmulitzvah We build Shoals, we build Bate Medrash and Bate Knesset, places of learning, places of davening, so that the place itself becomes independent. We go into a non-unholy place and we build shuls and, and, shuls and, and um, yeshivas and all of that in that place. And they start, those places start to transform the, the country till the country itself becomes holy and independently holy and no longer has to have the hashpav kedusha from the second place. In a more personal way, there's a teacher who is teaches and the students remain the students and then there's a teacher who helps the students become independently uh, understanding of the concepts so that they themselves 
then become teachers as well. So one is the light from above, and the and the in the below they just always have to be fed from above. You know, you get a shot in the arm, and you have to just keep giving yourself another shot in the arm, another shot in the arm, another shot in the arm of inspiration. The deeper way is from deep within yourself. You have the inspiration, and you kind of hook up with something that will give it to you. So, meaning, you go to a country, you build yeshivas. It starts to transform this unholy country little by little into a holy place. And eventually, this formerly unholy country has become a holy place through your yeshivas and your shul. And eventually, it becomes so holy that it no longer needs help from outside. It has its own pipeline to Hashem, and it becomes an independently luminous place. You know, um, you educate children, and if you educate them well enough, at some point, they're 20 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old, they can teach you. You know, you show them how to succeed in the world, to earn a living, etc., etc., and then by the, hopefully by the time they're 25, 30, 35, <clears throat> they're actually showing you how to live, earn a living. You gave them everything you have, and now they don't really need you to give them advice anymore. They actually at this point can give you advice. That's called the Heshiv Lev Abbas Obanim. The students, the children, the recipients, they become independently powerful. This concept is throughout all the sikhahs, especially of that year, and the Rebbe just brings it out every week in a different way. So, um, and it's not like this second place that was formerly unholy is almost as good as Ki'ilu, almost as good as the original place, but it becomes in itself the real thing. And we'll see in in a moment how the Rebbe brings out politically and economically and socially how, this, how we see this. Other of it, what happens is the people of the place achieve entire mitzvahs with their own initiative. According to the way they think, French people learn Torah differently from Canadian people, which is why it was so weird when René Levesque came in the 60s and decided he was going to take a piece of Canada and make it very French, even more French and independently French, and it caused a very strange kind of political phenomenon. So Canadians are very kind of conservative, cool, cool type of people. And French people are very fiery and hot. Right? So create a very interesting thing. So we're saying in France, the way they're going to serve Hashem in their shuls and in their yeshivas, is going to be very different from the way people are going to do it in Canada. Absolutely very different. And honestly, I mean, whoever knows, when you're crossing, when you're driving from Montreal to Ottawa, Montreal is very French, you know, very French, and Ottawa is very English, very, and they really represent like France to England, and it's a two-hour drive. And as soon as you get to that border, you know, in the, there's no border, you see that little tourist place, Literally, the energy changes. As you're coming from Quebec into, into Ontario, I feel it as I'm driving. 
it, everything calms down. As soon as I, I, I pass the, it says, you have now entered Ontario. I feel calmer. And then on the way back, as soon as I, you're now leaving Ontario and going into Quebec, I feel like, you know, the energy ramps up. I literally can feel it. The energy ramps up and ramps down when you're doing that. So every country needs to serve Hashem and needs to learn Tyra and do mitzvahs in its way. It's not a better way. It's not the Quebec way is better than the Ontario way. The French way is better than the English way. Each one has to do it in their way. That is Geula. Um, okay, we're going to do one more little piece and then we're going to take a pause. So now we understand the, the accomplishment of this generation relative to the generations before. In the generations before, we were not spread out so much in all the countries. The time of the base of Migdash, everybody was in Eretz Yisrael or around there. Even in the first generations of Gullahs, we were in certain countries, but we were essentially the Middle East. That's where we were. At least that half, that half of the globe. Recently, we've been spread to all parts of the world, America, etc., the lower half of the globe. And, in, and, um, and as we go further, especially then in our generation, we are in every part, every corner of the world. There's no place where there isn't a Jew, probably. And we're there doing to our mitzvahs in a way of hislapshus, in clothing ourselves. We see minhagem makam, hislapshus, hitlabshut, being enclosed in the customs of the place. To the extent that we build maestas of Torah and mitzvahs in every single place according to its style. The architecture is different in different countries. If you'll see a yeshiva in Brazil, it will look different from a yeshiva in uh, northern Ontario. It just will look different. The architecture will be different. What appeals to people etc. The inner indoor architecture will be totally different. Obviously in Brazil it will be a more open, it will be a warm climate and a more, everything will be different. The, what, what, what attracts people to want to come to that shul and to that yeshiva will be what makes people feel warm, cozy and yummy. So if you're Brazilian, you don't want a Canadian type of architecture. It just feels too cold. And if you're Canadian, you don't want a Brazilian architecture. It's just like too much, like everybody's on your head. And each one is valid according to its, its way. So 